Hello and welcome back to His Simple Truths podcast series. This is podcast number four and it's titled Look to God and Live. My name is Greg Mullins and I'm here with Tyson Thompson. Hello everybody. We are super excited to be with you today and this topic is both of our favorite topics. Um, and we're just going to get right into it today. So the simple truth that we're going to be talking about and teaching today is is this. Looking to God, we receive light. We're growing and progressing. When we look away from God, we are losing light and digressing instead of progressing. And, you know, as... As we talk about this, in the scriptures, looking away from God is referred to as hard-heartedness. And hard-heartedness, by definition, is an unwillingness or an inability to receive light or truth from the Holy Spirit because of choices that we make. Yeah, we talked about the opposition last time, you know, and how the opposition pulls us away from the light. Yeah. And so today we're going to talk about, you know, what it takes to be able to to stay in the light and to receive that light from from Christ. And then when we find ourselves not in the light to get what it takes to get back into the light, which is important. Absolutely. So to start out, we're going to talk about um, give you some examples. And so everybody can kind of be on the same page. We know what we're talking about. So the first example that I want to talk about is being prideful <coughs> or judgmental. Um, so one of the challenges that we have in the, in the church and throughout the world is we all have to follow somebody. <laughs> doesn't matter who you are, you're following somebody at some point. So within the church, we have our bishops that we're following. We have our stake president that we're following. Um, and I'll be the first to admit that there's times when an authority over me talks and I smack myself in the forehead and I'm like, what an idiot. <laughs> I can't believe he just said that. And the reality of that is that I've realized over the past couple of years is that every time I've gone there to that point, I'm the one that's losing the spirit. And I'm missing out on the opportunity to hear and, and listen to what that person has to say. Um, a really good example of this is I love President Hinckley. He was my prophet growing up. But I always felt like he was too lovey, happy-go-lucky guy, right? Like Mr. Positive. And I was like, man, why doesn't he just come down on the church and tell us to repent and get back in line? It frustrated me. But now, looking back, as I've gone back and listened to every one of his talks again, I'm like, man, I missed out on this great man and his pure love that he has for everyone, you know. And um, we have to be really wary of being too prideful, thinking we know more than the other person, especially now that we've gone to this new stage of the church and ministering and the elders quorum being combined with the high priest group. You know, you've got these poor high priests that they do know more than the elders in most cases. <laughs> I mean, that's the reality of it. But a lot of them have been subjected to following a, a younger elders quorum president. 
and get frustrated with that because they see him make mistakes that maybe they've already made. But instead of loving that person and turning to Christ and re helping them to receive light, they judge that person. And in doing so, the whole quorum suffers because the light that that high priest has and could be sharing is is diminished as he turns away from Christ in judgment. Absolutely. I, <coughs> I was thinking about uh, this last general conference. Elder Bednar gave a really, really good talk on meekness. In fact, if you go back and listen to that talk, at the beginning of the talk, Elder Bednar has to pause. And he's a pretty straightforward, straight-laced guy. Um, I think in a lot of ways he, he replaced Elder Maxwell um, as far as the, <coughs> the way that he approaches the gospel. Um, but he pauses, um, and you can tell that he's feeling the spirit really strongly and trying to to uh, tap into meekness. Um, and it's certainly something that he's learned and, and definitely exhibits. But, but in that talk, he talked about the meekness of being able to be taught by somebody who is who has lesser understanding than we do um, and if we're in that place then we're not going to be prideful we're going to be we're going to be meek and we'll be teachable and malleable absolutely so <clears throat> the next uh, next one that I've written down that um, I'd like to talk about is I'm hearing a lot from different people that they feel very anxious or fearful um, depression is a big one that we're hearing a lot of right now fear um, and I think all of these feelings these emotions stem from the word doubt because really if we believe Christ if we really believe him everything that he said all of those things can be <coughs> overcome um, if we're looking to Christ but I just wanted to share a story um, to kind of illustrate this so four or five years ago um, I got the impression that I was supposed to go work in California selling solar out there and <clears throat> I'd been promised a whole bunch of money to go out there and um, I went to San Jose first and I hated San Jose like the people were just arrogant cocky people that you'd knock on their door and they're like just throttling you. <laughs> I just hated every second of it. And so I made the decision to move down with a different group down to San Diego. And um, San Diego was all right, but the company I was working for wasn't fulfilling their promises to my customers and I just kept getting more and more frustrated. And of course, I'm away from my family. My family's all back in Utah, and I'm I'm living down there by myself in a hotel with five dudes on a blow-up mattress. Like it was just miserable. And it finally got to a point where there was this little church in my area, and I would drive into that parking lot every day, and I would sit there, frozen in um, frustration, anger anxiety and I would just sit there not knowing what what to do and I would go to prayer and I'd be like God I hate why am I here I hate this like why am I away from my family I don't understand I thought when I prayed I felt good about coming out here why am I why am I here this makes no sense I'm not making the money that I'm supposed to be making 
I hate it. The company's not fulfilling their, you know, what they're supposed to be doing for the customer. And I would literally just sit there staring out over this vista, just wondering what the heck I was doing out there. Total anxiety. And uh, looking back now, I can recognize that that all of that stemmed from me doubting that initial light that I received that I was supposed to go out to California. And I won't go into details right now, but I can tell you that we were absolutely meant to be in California. There was a point where I finally went to the Lord and said, okay, either I want to get off this planet <laughs> or I'm going home or something has to happen here. And I remember just turning it over to the Lord. Okay, I'm, I'm willing to do whatever. I felt like I was supposed to be here. Help me to know why I'm here, what I'm supposed to be doing. And just right after I made that decision, I ran into a whole new group of guys. I switched companies. Um, I actually started my own company, brought on a bunch of these guys and watched dramatic miracles in their lives as I was used as an instrument by the Lord to help them understand who they were and what they were doing. Um, guys came back to the church. Guys stopped using drugs. We had one that was converted to the faith. Like all of these miracles happened after I finally turned it back to God, turned myself back to God and trusted that initial feeling that I that I received to go out there to California. So just, just one example there. I had a, an experience just recently the other day. <clears throat> um, we had an activity where we took the teachers and the priests in our ward out to go uh, tracting, go knock doors with the elders. And um, I wasn't particularly excited about it, to be honest. Um, I was. He was trying to get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I was trying to figure out how I could uh, stay in the car or, you know, do whatever. Um, but I... I did pray for humility and I prayed on as we we're driving to the area we were going to go knock that I would have the strength and ability to just get out of the car and overcome my fears and put that on the altar of the Lord and, and do it and get rid of my fear, anxiety and, and pride a little bit. You know, I don't want to be that Mormon guy walking around with my white shirt and tie on in my own town. Right. People might know. And those things were going through my mind. So here I am making a podcast and people in podcast land are like, this guy's got it figured out. Well, I just told you again, I don't have it figured out. Okay. Like I'm embarrassed to admit out loud that I was, I was pridefully and fearfully not wanting to go represent my Lord and savior, Jesus Christ, even after all he's done for me. But once I got out there, I was like, no more fear, you know, um, just started walking. And, and that's, I think a key principle of the gospel is just get started you know and the lord that grace we'll talk more about it's going to pick up and help you take, take the step into the darkness exactly and so um i <clears throat> i got out there and uh, we didn't have any success actually the two young men uh were knocking the doors across the street and then the full-time elder and i were knocking on the other side of the street and we kept getting shut down and told to go away and um but i was okay with it by then i had adjusted my focus and like i'm good with it we get to the last end of the street. There's two doors left to knock. And the spirit tells me to go knock on the door of this house, which subsequently I had noticed probably 
20 or 30 times since I've lived in this town. Like now looking back, it was a spiritual inclination. And so we're standing there and we, the boys go knock one door and we go across the street to knock the other. And we get onto the porch of this gal and um, she comes out, which was awesome. And we start talking to her and she had just lost her grandfather or her great uncle. Uh, and her great uncle and her grandmother lived together and her grandmother was is slowly passing away too and um, So we're talking with her and kind of sharing the good news about the gospel a little bit and then the spirit just took over and I looked at her and I said we really like to serve people in our church Can we can we help you and she just kind of looked at me and I said, you know what? When people are going through what you're going through right now sometimes something as simple as a meal can help I said, can we bring you dinner tomorrow night? And brothers and sisters, I testify to you that the Spirit of the Lord descended on her like a bolt of lightning. And she looked up with brightness in her eyes, but also tears welling up. And she said, you're not going to believe this, but tomorrow is my husband's anniversary. And I was just sitting in the house wondering with our limited income and in this situation where we have to spend all day with my grandmother, how I'm going to provide some kind of meal for my husband and I to enjoy our anniversary together. She showed us a picture about her, how her and her of how her and her husband being uh, married in the backyard of her grandmother's house, the very same place we were standing. And I had the definite feeling that we were standing on sacred ground. And um, I was so humbled. My wife and I were able to take dinner over to her and her husband, and she wept again as we handed her the food. And brothers and sisters, I don't tell that story to put myself on a pedestal. If you remember the beginning of that story, I didn't want to go and do that, but I did. And I am forever changed. And I, because I took partook of the grace of Jesus Christ, was able to extend that to somebody else. That's an awesome story. Um, the last one that I want to hit on is is apathy or no purpose um in case you haven't heard from podcast one two or three or the prophet shouting it from the pulpit we are in the last days <laughs> preparing the earth for the second coming of the savior jesus christ and yet i still see and i shared in the last podcast my own apathy of not wanting to get out on a sunday night and go do what i was supposed to be doing those of us that are still sitting around waiting to be told what to do and not recognizing what our purpose is and getting out there and getting it done um focused temporally on the world and focus on our jobs focus on getting things uh, focused on pleasures and not recognizing that our brothers and sisters are dying out there in a battle Satan is destroying people and that's if Satan can get us to look somewhere else other than at the Savior it doesn't matter what it is doesn't matter if it's bad or if it's just not looking at the Savior he's winning and I think that's critical to understand um, we're going to talk about repentance as we all have grown up knowing it and kick the doors off some tradition there in the way that we look at repentance because really all that repentance is is that simple act of looking back to God and when we've made a mistake and looked away 
Yeah, do you want to share that quote by Elder Robbins? I think that's a good place to start. Yeah, so Elder Robbins gave a great talk this last general conference called 70 times 7. If you haven't looked that talk up, look it up and listen and feel the spirit of the Lord. <clears throat> and listen again and again and again. I'm at least 10 times that I've listened to it. It's an amazing talk. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably close to a dozen as well. Repentance is God's ever accessible gift that allows us and enables us to go from failure to failure without any loss of enthusiasm. Repentance isn't his backup plan in the event that we might fail. Repentance is his plan knowing that we will. This, this is the gospel of repentance. And as President Russell M. Nelson has observed, it will be a lifetime curriculum. So one of the things that I grew up understanding about repentance was, you know, you, you recognize you did something wrong, you feel bad about it, you make restitution, and then you never do it again. But then I always did it again. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, maybe I didn't repent right. Or maybe I'm never going to be good enough because I obviously can't follow these steps, forsake it, and, and not turn back to my sin. Yep, can't do the last one. It's too hard. But this talk and many other talks recently, they're really trying to help us understand that um, us failing was part of the plan. Like, that is the program. <laughs> and I love, um, so Elder Nelson in last conference he gave this quote in one of his talks on Revelation. He said, Nothing opens the heavens quite like the combination of increased purity, exact obedience, earnest seeking, daily feasting on the words of Christ in the Book of Mormon, and regular committed to regular time committed to temple and family history work. When he said that, um, that exact obedience jumped out at me. And I was like, here's this thing from my childhood again. Like, I, I'm supposed to be exactly obedient. That's what's wrong with me. <laughs> That's why I'm not getting there. So I was like, all right, I want more revelation like the prophets told us. He says we can be taught by the Savior himself. I want that. So apparently I need to be exactly obedient to get that. That's what the prophet's telling me. And so I tried, and I failed again. <laughs> But you tried because you were probably trying to approach it from a box checking, keep the thou shalts, hey, don't do the thou shalt nots. I tried again, <laughs> and I failed. Right. <laughs> and I tried again, and I failed. And I was like, this is impossible. Exact obedience is impossible. And then shortly after that, we went on uh, an encampment with our youth. And so it was a 18-stake encampment and elder bruff brother bruff from the young men general young men's presence he came out and spoke to us and he talked about the fact that um so he, he shared an experience where he was a mission president and when the new missionaries would come out to the mission he would say elder there's some things that we don't do well we maybe we don't read our scriptures as much as we should or study as much as we should or Maybe we don't knock on enough doors. But one thing that we do well is we're exactly obedient. <laughs> I'm sitting there when he said that. I'm like, because I was having the same experience Greg was. I'm like, are you serious? Like, you just said all the things you don't do well. And then in the same breath, you say, we got to be exactly obedient. You know, and I'm like, punching myself in the head. I don't understand. <laughs> when he said that, 
just see the smile on his face as he said that because all of us got that stupefied look on our face <laughs> like what the heck what just happened and you could picture that poor elder sitting next to him like listening to this and then like wait a sec <laughs> how does that work and then he went on to explain a truth that absolutely was a game changer for me i understood it in a basic sense but it just kicked the door off for me and really helped me to understand and what he said was you've been commanded to repent so if you mess up and you repent you just became exactly obedient again and i was like wait a second wow <laughs> bingo <laughs> so when we fall short of commandments and we immediately turn back to God. So we fall short, meaning we looked away from Christ for a minute. But then we realize that. And the more you practice this, the more quickly you can recognize that you just looked away. Because you're like, oh, I don't like what I'm seeing over here. It's dark. <laughs> it's a Maxwellism of the of the uh, the righteous reflexes that we need to learn to develop, right? Like. Yep. Oh, I just got smacked with something. Oh, it's because I'm not looking the right way. Okay, I'm going to turn around really quick. Okay, Lord, here I am. Yep. And the second you turn back, you have now returned to exact obedience. I really want you to ponder that principle because it's absolutely huge to, to understand um, what repentance really is. So I think I think we should go through the steps of repentance really quick and just really pick them apart and, and better understand what those are. So the steps of obedience, um, or excuse me, steps of repentance, as we know growing up, um, are recognized that we've turned away from God or recognize our sin, feel remorse, you know, have a broken heart and a contrite spirit, confess them, um, you know, if necessary, to the right authority, um, if you need to see a bishop or something, um, and then pay restitution, and then the other, the last step is to forsake them and turn back to God. So one of the one of the things that the Mormon Church is known by is guilt. <laughs> yeah, we should all have our guilt tattoos. <laughs> all of the haters that leave the church—that's their big thing, right? They they got tired of feeling guilty all the time. So. Where does guilt fit into those four steps, do you think? Um, I think guilt should serve as, I think guilt comes from a, from losing the spirit, to be honest. Um, when we feel, when we lose the spirit, we're, we recognize, well, something's not right. <clears throat> and then we feel guilt. And that should be a, that should be a, a hinge point. That should be a trigger for us to turn around or start turning around. Yeah, so that whole, the feeling remorse, having a broken heart and a contrite spirit. So earlier we stated that a hard heart was an unwillingness or inability to receive light or truth from the Holy Spirit because of choices. So the, the flip side of that is a broken heart where we break down those walls that are blocking that light. Um, those of you who have been endowed, think about your endowment and what you're told about your heart. Yeah, and really ponder that in, in context of this. So the guilt feeling is us 
understanding within ourselves that we just made a choice to shut off the flow of the spirit. And our spirit, our eternal spirit, is rejecting that. It's like, what the crap are you doing? <laughs> the natural man's like, but I really like this. I want to do this for a minute. And the spirit's like, no, are you dumb? Cease fire, walk away. <laughs> and that's, that's all the guilt feeling is, is our spirit crying out to us saying, dude, turn back and get back in the light. What are you doing? You're dying. We're losing light right now. You know, it's the warning beacon, like you said, telling us it's, you know, there's a problem here. And that, that's pretty much step one and two, right? Recognizing that we're losing light, we're dying pretty much. And I think it's important to understand that if you get stuck in guilt, you're going to turn back to that sin. Even if you say, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do that again. I can't believe I did that. That was so stupid. That's a Brad Wilcox pointed that out in that talk we talked about before. Um, his grace is sufficient. He's like, I'm never going to do that again. And then you do it again. I'm never going to do it again. And then you do it again. Right. And that's because we never transcend um, from that guilt phase. We get stuck there. So there's a lot of people laying in the guilt ditch and, you know, next to the, to the covenant path because they, they don't feel like they can get through that and get past the guilt. Or they're, they don't even feel like they're worthy enough to pray. I've ran into people who have told me that. Yeah. And for me, I'm like, what do you mean? You don't feel worthy to pray. That's, that's, that's the point of prayer. <laughs> right. That's the whole reason we're doing it. But that's that opposition that we talked about in the last podcast. There are literally demons that are assigned to you that keep telling you, don't pray. Don't try and turn back. You're not worthy. You're worthless. You're never going to be able to change. Yep. And they're wrong. And that brings us to the next step. So the next step is confession if necessary. Um, so a lot of people have problem with this. Why do I need to go talk to another man about my sins, right? The reality is there is a certain point that we get to if we've sinned where we've lost enough light that we get to where we don't feel like we can pray or we don't know how to get back onto the path. That guilt ditch that Tyson talked about is so deep, we don't know how to get out of it, and it's dark down there, right? Where if, uh, like a bishop, is set apart and given keys to help the sinner, right? And so when we go to a bishop, he has the light, he still knows the direction. He can see you in the ditch, and he's got a flashlight pointed in your eyeballs, like, come up here. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, up here. <laughs> like, here's a ladder. Climb up the freaking ladder, right? He's crying out, trying to help us. And when we are willing to humble ourselves and go to him and ask for that help, we'll see the ladder. We'll see the light and be able to climb back up onto that, that covenant pathway. Yeah, I I just want to share personally, um, you know, that I hesitated, you know, on the times that I've had to go see the bishop in my life, and I'm not going to enumerate how many that's been, but it's been more than one. We'll just say that. Um, I, I look back and I'm like, man, the adversary did not want me to do that. Um, and I actually hadn't prayed, um, a couple of times that I went, I just knew I needed to. But as soon as I went, that desire to pray came back. 
right? Like I couldn't even talk to the Lord about it, right? Even though he already knew and even though he already paid for it, I just couldn't talk to him about it. But as soon as I went to see my bishop, right, I felt light and peace and love come back to me just for making that effort, you know? So start there. If you can't talk to the Lord about it, talk to somebody else. You know, obviously you want to get to the point where you can talk to the Lord about it all the time, but start with where you are. Yeah, that is so huge. (laughs) We have to understand that when we alienate ourselves from the spirit, as soon as you turn away, all help from the, from the Lord's side, whether that's angels, whether that's ministering angels, whether that's the Holy Ghost, whatever it is, we've forsaken that when we turn away from it. And because we have agency, he has to allow us to go down that pathway. On the flip side of that, the second we turn away, we've given permission to the adversary to jump on board. And I promise you, they do not wait for more than a split second before they are trashing us. And that's why it's so hard once you turn away to turn back um, unless you learn to be exactly obedient and repent quickly. You know, it has to be an immediate thing like, oh, I don't didn't want to go there. Sorry, Lord. Sorry, I, that judgmental thought just popped into my head. Sorry, that lustful thought just popped into my head. You know, get them out quick and clear that stage um, of those thoughts and feelings that you have so that the so that the spirit can return so you can get that light back. Um, The last step of repentance is to forsake it. And this is probably the hardest one for everybody, right? Like, how do I stop being stupid? (laughs) How do I stop doing this over and over again? There's times that I've prayed like, Lord, I hate this. I don't want to do it. And then you do it again. You're like, poking yourself in the eye and punching yourself in the head like how do I stop this so we're gonna we're gonna give you a a pathway um it's not immediate it's a process and it's called grace for grace and then grace to grace so in doctrine and covenant section 93 this is John the Baptist and what and what he saw as he as he told us about Christ, he said, And I, John, saw that he received not the fullness at first, but received grace for grace. And he received not the fullness at first, but continued from grace to grace until he received a fullness. So what does that mean, right? What is grace? Yeah, I think that's where we need to start. Grace is a very misunderstood word in the Mormon church, for sure. (laughs) That's because, I'll say it, you know, Satan has infiltrated the minds of many saints, right? And whether it was taught inaccurately or whether we interpreted it inaccurately doesn't really matter, right? The bottom line is, is that the culture of the church for a long time, since I can remember, has been a church of works. We do all these things, and then after we've done our part, God saves us, right? Which is wrong, right? Salvation is free. We're not earning anything, and we'll get more into that. But I think that's key to understand because there's people in the church that are getting crushed by that. Like Greg said, stuck in guilt, right? Because they don't understand grace. So grace, very simply put, this is the easiest way for me to understand it. Grace is the pure love of Christ, okay? It is a conduit between us and and eternal power. Christ 
is the conduit that connects us into the spirit, which is our Heavenly Father's power. And he gives us that grace, not because we're worthy or not because we've earned it. He gives it to us because of his pure love for us. And he's only able to do that because of the atonement that he made for us. He couldn't give us power, heavenly power, in sin without the atonement. If God did that, he would cease to be God. And that was the whole purpose of the atonement, was to make grace possible. So this principle of grace to grace, we receive grace from Christ. Um, and then we have a choice to make. We can either sit back and be like, sweet, the Savior saved me and now I'm good. <laughs> and I'm happy and I'm just going to meander through life. What happens when we do that? You get a terrestrial existence after this life, right? Like those who accept Christ's grace and want to be servants, right? They get a terrestrial existence. Yeah. Um, because that's what they're living worthy of. Or they lose the grace. Yep. They lose that light that they received because they're not trying to get more of it. They're okay with just that apathy that we talked about earlier. So how do you get more grace? It's grace for grace. It's, oh. it's such an awesome principle. If you want more grace, take the grace you got and go give it to somebody else. Extend Christ's grace to somebody else. That story that I told in the last podcast of my son and I going to administer the sacrament to a shut-in family. I didn't want to do it initially, but I had received grace that day when I partook of the sacrament. And that's immediately where my thoughts went to. Here's a couple that's asking to receive that same thing. And I'm withholding it because I want to sit on my couch in my jammies <laughs> and not go out at six o'clock on a Sunday night. But as we went out and extended that grace that we had received to somebody else, we received even more grace. I would say tenfold what we brought to their house. So that's, that's the principle grace for grace. The same, same experience when I went out. I mean, Greg saw me when I left to go out and knock doors with the elders. And then when I came back to the chapel to drop the boys off, I was just jacked. <laughs> the spirit was just surging. Just like, yes, that was awesome. It was hilarious because, um, so Tyson didn't serve a, a mission knocking door to door and, uh, just watching him, as we were preparing to go out, he's like a total greenie standing against the wall. Like, please don't make me knock doors. <laughs> it's sad. It's really sad. It was awesome. Okay. So the second part of that scripture is, so he, he progressed, he received grace for grace, and then he continued from grace to grace. So it's really important to understand that grace is power. And when we extend grace, we move from the level of grace we're currently sitting at to a higher level of grace. Again, that leveling up principle, right? The more times you offer grace to other people, the more grace, the more power that Christ can give you, and you move from grace to grace. And then the last part of that scripture is that he received a fullness that the Father had as he moved from grace to grace. Yeah. And so 
how do we how do we forsake sin and turn back to God? Once you get to that point where you've gone through the steps and now you're at that, okay, now I don't ever want to do this again. That's the time where you got to get off your backside and go give grace to somebody else. You will not be able to retain a remission of your sins without extending grace to other people because because of the level of light that we've received it's required of us to go give that light to somebody else and help to um, help them to recognize the things that we've been taught and that's that process repeated over and over again um, in the in that talk from from elder robbins he says how many times is it going to take a thousand more like a million <laughs> more like a million is what he goes you know it's it's that um he compared it to learning a new language you know how many times is it going to take you before you get it right you know saying the words right a thousand no more like a million and it's the same principle with repentance just because that sin comes back over and over again doesn't mean you're broken. Doesn't mean you're not on the right path. As long as you're not, that your love is for Christ and not for the sin. If you hate that sin and you want to get rid of it and you're trying over and over again, you're in the right path. The next step is to recognize that he's forgiven you already it's finished but it's not finished in that you get to go sit on your couch it's finished in that he extended you grace and now you need to take that grace out and give it to somebody else that's perfect <clears throat> elder holland in one of my favorite talks um uh, this is another one. I got to put a plug in here. Uh, commercial, free commercial advertising for General Conference and Elder Holland. Tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. April 2016, the close of conference. Elder Holland steps up, and it was like brace yourselves because here comes Elder Holland, right? And he just rocks us with love. And in that talk, <clears throat> he says, and this I think sums up this whole concept of grace, right? And receiving grace, and then extending grace, and then receiving more grace. Brothers and sisters, the first great commandment of eternity is to love God with all our heart, might, mind, and strength. That's the first great commandment. But the first great truth of all eternity is that God loves us with all of his heart, might, mind, and strength. That love is the foundation, of, foundation stone of eternity, and it should be the foundation stone of our daily life. Indeed, it is only with that reassurance burning in our soul that we can have the confidence to keep trying to improve, keep seeking forgiveness of our sins, and extend, keep extending that grace to our neighbor. Keep extending that grace to our neighbor is the final <laughs> portion of that. I mean, that's, that's the long and short of it. Yeah, I want to share a story with you where I received some grace for grace. So... I'm, I'm a salesman. I sell solar. Um, and <clears throat> a couple years ago, I uh, was training a new employee. Um, he was actually going to go out and knock doors for me and set up appointments so I could go in and close them. 
and I took him on an appointment with me so that he could learn um, learn the business, right? And uh, we went to this house, and I had just had some pretty cool experiences with the Spirit and received grace for sure and had rededicated my life again to serving the Lord. And uh, this gentleman that was coming with me um, is a member of the church but hasn't been active for quite a few years, even though he still loves the Lord and wants to be a part of the kingdom. But we went to this sister's house, this sister, this customer's house, and uh, when when we got in the house, almost immediately the spirit was telling me that something was about to happen. And she was not in a good spot. She was, um, she just had back surgery and her son had just died and she, she would like say something and then she'd start crying, you know, and, and here I am supposed to be teaching this guy how to sell, right, to sell the job. And the whole only thing I can think of it, or I'm feeling compassion for this woman. And uh, the spirit was like, you need to give her a blessing. And I was like, okay, that's weird. <laughs> That'll be awkward. How am I going to do that? But that's cool. I'm happy to do that. And then the Spirit's like, and you need to have Kevin give the blessing with you. And I was like, okay. Like, I don't know if he's active, Lord. I don't know if he's ready to. I don't know if he's willing to. And and I'm like not wanting to look up at him, <laughs> right? And I'm, I look back at this sister, I'm like, well, how do I transition from I'm here to sell you something to I want to give you a blessing? <laughs> right? I'm like, I need some help, Lord. So I look up, and there's a wooden cross on the wall. And I say that, and it was it was a gorgeous Christus. And I, I asked her, I said, where did you get that? That's beautiful. Are you a believer? And she said, yes, I'm a believer. My son made that for me, this son that had just passed away. So she starts crying again. And... Uh, I said, you know what, I am uh, a high priest in my church, and I would really like to give you a blessing. Would you like to receive a blessing? And she's like, oh, yes, I would love to receive a blessing. And so um, the Spirit's like, and Kevin, and Kevin, and I'm like, wait a second. I'm like, all right. So I'm like, and Kevin's going to help me. And I didn't even look at him. Like, Kevin's going to help me with this. And so we took her over, and he got up, and we sat her in a chair, and I asked her, have you ever received a blessing by the laying on of hands? And she said she hadn't and asked what it was, and we explained that to her. And Kevin and I both put our hands on her head, and I started to give her this blessing, and the Lord took over and spoke to his daughter through me. That's the only way I can explain it. It was pure, raw power, energy flowing into the crown of my head and through my arms into her and into Kevin. (laughs) Like both of us are shaking. He's weeping. She's crying. (laughs) The spirit was just so powerful in that instance. Um, And the whole thought of the cell was totally forgotten. You know, in that moment we were there to serve that, that daughter of our heavenly father who needed help. And the money didn't matter. Those things didn't matter. We went out and got in the car. I looked at Kevin. I'm like, and he's like, dude, that was crazy. (laughs) What just happened? (laughs) But what an amazing opportunity for me to receive more grace. That the power that 
came through me in that blessing was one of the most powerful times I've felt giving blessings. Um, grace given to Kevin and him getting the opportunity to feel that spirit again and know that his Heavenly Father loved him and w still wanted him to be performing his duties as a priesthood holder. And grace given to that sister. You know, that whole experience, we all received grace from Christ. And for me, I went from a level of grace to grace that I hadn't experienced before. Um, the whole point of this existence is for us to love each other, right? Love God first and then love each other. That's weird. Simple truth, right? <laughs> Christ said upon those two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, right? We sometimes get so stuck in a commandments in commandments like three through ten, right? That we forget that the first two are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, might, mind, and strength, and the second is like unto it: love the Lord or love thy neighbor as thyself. And it's if we if we just get to those two simple points, if we can get to a point where we truly understand those two points, and we look to Christ always in everything that we're doing. We become his eyes, we become his ears, we become his hands. We've all agreed to be disciples of Christ. So let's really be disciples of Christ. What would Christ be doing if he was the one standing there? You know, we all know by reading the scriptures that he would be reaching out to the sick, to the weary, to the sinners, to the people who are hurting and helping them. That was his whole life mission. You mean he wouldn't be sitting with his feet up, having checked all the gospel boxes and then casting judgment by saying, that guy needs to figure out his life, <laughs> right? That's not what he would do. He mean, he mean, he meant it when rather than give his apostles upon parting and leaving the world, rather than give them all these administrative tasks to do, he told them, feed my sheep. Like he really actually meant that comes back to that simple truth of believing Christ. Is that what he really wants us to do? Yes, that's what he really wants us to do. And that's what our current prophet is telling us, right? Quit worrying about checking a box to go home teaching. Did you go out and love those people? Did you serve them? Do you know what their needs are? Are you helping them? Are you feeding them? Did you feed yourself first so that you have something did you get the grace that you needed by turning to Christ and feed yourself first so that you can now in turn take some of that to your families that you're ministering to? I can't tell you how many times I've actually been out ministering versus home teaching and have a profound example in my own life recently that I can testify to those people um, with about a principle I'm learning that they're struggling with too. You know, and I think when we're relatable like that and we can share with people that we're struggling too, like we don't have it all figured out, then we're, our, the message of Christ is going to be received because we're going to be able to tell them, look, this is the grace I've received and you can receive it true. You can receive it also. Um, so we kind of kicked around how the best way was to close this podcast and Tyson pulled up this quote from president Uchtdorf and it's, it's kind of long and there's enough in there that we could do eight podcasts over just these few paragraphs. So we're going to, we're going to go through this and read it 
word for word. It's not super long, but um, and we're going to stop here and there as the spirit directs and talk about it. But. So, so I got to ask a question before we go into this. So keep in your mind this question, right? Well, if we get grace, right? And grace, you know, grace saves us, right? We're not saved by obedience. Um, Elder Uchtdorf actually said at one point, um, well, I forgot to write this quote down, but he said, thinking that we can pay for our salvation with the currency of obedience is like buying an airline ticket a plane ticket and thinking we own the airline or paying rent on our home and thinking we have a title to the whole world. Then he said, and he makes it a point. He says, he says salvation is purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Period. Like that's it. Right? So if that's the case and I know it is and Greg knows it is, and hopefully you out there listening know that it is, then why repent? Why? And that's what Elder Uchtdorf covers here. Awesome. I'll start out. So if great, this is Elder Uchtdorf, if grace is a gift of God, why then is obedience to God's commandments so important? Why bother with God's commandments or repentance for that matter? Why not just admit that we're sinful and let God save us? Or to put the question in Paul's words, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul's answer is simple and clear. God forbid. So basically what he's saying there is, why not, why not just keep sinning? Because that'll let Christ's grace abound, right? <laughs> the more sin, the more grace. Crazy when you think about it, but that's exactly where people get stuck. Some people get stuck. Um, is thinking that that they can coast because Christ paid for paid for it. So there's two extremes of that, and we'll talk about the other extreme in a, in a minute. But um, why why repent? We're we're practicing heaven. We talked about this before, right? It's it's learning. To become like Jesus Christ. All right, go ahead. So Elder Uchtdorf continued and he said, Brothers and sisters, we obey the commandments of God out of love for him. Trying to understand God's gift of grace with all our heart and minds gives us all the more reason to love and obey our Heavenly Father with meekness and gratitude. As we walk the path of discipleship, it refines us, it improves us, it helps us become more like him, and it leads us back to his presence. The Spirit of the Lord, our God, brings, us, brings about such a mighty change in us that we have no more disposition to do evil, but to do good continually. So I think that change, that change word is really important. Um, King Benjamin's people, they said they received a mighty change of heart. So level one doctrine is to break down the wall of your hard heart, right? But there's another level, which is the change of heart. And that's where God takes your offering of your heart that is natural and fallen and you give that to him, and he gives you a new heart. 
that's the change of heart that he's talking about. And that new heart, as it's said in here, has no disposition to do evil, but to do good continually. That's what we're striving for, right? As we move into this final phase of the planet and we get ready to bring in Zion, Zion's definition is of one heart and one mind. And that's one heart with Christ and our Father in heaven, which means our hearts should be able to receive the same as Christ's. And the only way to get to that point is to be willing to sacrifice all things that are temporal, all things, and freely hand that to the Savior. And then he returns that changed heart to us. And when we do that, when we freely hand that to the Savior, that is in similitude of what he did for the Father. He submitted to, to all things that the Father saw fit to inflict upon him. And the fulfillment of all of that brings us to a place that, this is one of my favorite scriptures, for when we shall see him, we shall see him as he, as he is, because we shall be like him. That to me is one of the sweetest scriptures to have that opportunity when we see Christ again for him to look at us and say, you are like me because you partook of my grace. Every one of you who has been out ministering knows the feeling that you get when you're really ministering. It's a high unlike anything this earth can offer. And I'm feeling it right now as we talk. The Savior's pure light and love pouring into me. And that, that's the prize. That's what we should be seeking after. And it's like he is just waiting right now to dump it into us. Anybody who's willing to stand up and get out and get after it, he's like, okay, I'm going to give you some more light, more power. Like, Go do my work. Go save my children. Go feed my sheep. Like he needs us to step up. Okay, Elder Uchtdorf continues. Therefore, our obedience to God's commandments comes as a natural outgrowth of our endless love and gratitude for the goodness of God. This form of genuine love and gratitude will miraculously merge our works with God's grace. Virtue will garnish our thoughts unceasingly and our confidence will wax strong in the presence of God. Dear brothers and sisters, living the gospel faithfully is not a burden. It is a joyful rehearsal. I love the way he says that. Practice. Practice. A joyful rehearsal, a preparation for inheriting the grand glory of the eternities. We seek to obey Heavenly Father because our spirits will become more attuned to spiritual things. Vistas are open that we never knew existed. I bear testimony of that. Almost daily basis, Tyson and I are calling each other like, dude, guess what I just learned? <laughs> like, where the heck did that come from? Like he, um, who was it that said he's waiting to give away the Elder secrets Maxwell. of eternity? Yeah, for anybody who has our eyes to see and hearts to feel can see that God's giving away the keys to, to the universe. Love it. Enlightenment and understanding come to us when we do the will of the Father. Grace is a gift of God, and our desire to be obedient to each of God's commandments 
is the reaching out of our mortal hand to receive this sacred gift from our Heavenly Father. I think it's really important. I'm going to read this last paragraph again. Grace is a gift of God and our desire to be obedient to each of God's commandment is the reaching out of our mortal hand to receive this sacred gift from our Father in Heaven. It doesn't say our obedience, our exact perfectness in being obedient is us reaching out, but it's our desire to be obedient. If we want to be obedient and we mess up, it's okay. Turn back to God quickly. Repent. You're exactly obedient again. And then more grace can be extended to you. Um, so just lastly, I want to share one other real quick story. So at the encampment that we went to, Elder Bruff spoke to us. And he shared an experience that he had when he was called as a 70. So he says, uh, when you go to meet with the general authorities, you enter this place under the tunnels in Salt Lake. And so, you, hold on, sorry, I'll correct you. Uh, Brother Bruff, and it, I don't know if he was ever a 70, but he was was when he went to be uh, interviewed to be in the, young, in the general young men's presidency. So. That's correct, yep. So he goes down into this... Um, he said, when you enter the room, to the to the left of you, there's a security guard there. And he said, the guy has a look on his face that you're not getting through that door unless you're supposed to be getting through that door. And then on the right side of the room, there's a sitting area where you go in and sit down and wait. And then directly in front of you, there's these two large wooden doors. And that's where they, the apostle will come out to receive you. So he was going to meet with some of the apostles. I think it was Elder Anderson and Elder, I don't remember, it doesn't matter, a couple of the apostles to receive his call. And he said while he was sitting there, um, the security guard stood up. And he knew immediately that if the security guard stands up, that means there's an apostle about to come out the door. So he and his wife stood up. And out through the doors comes President Nelson, then Elder Nelson. And he said he, he walked past him, smiled at him warmly, but kept going and was about to leave the room, had stepped out of the glass doors. And all of a sudden he stopped turned around and came back and said, hey, you're Brother Bruff's son, aren't you? <laughs> and he's like, yes, President. And uh, he said that uh, the prophet got within about two inches of his face <laughs> and was looking at him straight in the eyes. And he said, he told us, he said, brothers, as he did that, my soul was unraveled and he saw everything. He knew everything about me, except the things that I had given to Christ. He could not see those things because they were finished and taken care of already. Um, funny, his wife looked up and said, hey, how was your interview? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But the atonement of Jesus Christ is real. And the second that we turn back to Christ and give him that sin, whatever it is, whatever it is that's turning us away from him, it's gone. It's off the record, off the books. <laughs> what a powerful, amazing gift this grace is that Christ has given us. And we have the opportunity to take advantage of that right now and really start to move forward in our lives. Um, and 
receive that grace for grace and grace to grace. I just want to second that, that testimony. Um, you know, we have that opportunity to turn daily in all of our struggles. Yesterday I was talking to Greg on the phone and I was driving, uh, shouldn't have been talking on the phone probably, but I was, um, at least I was going hands free and I told him, oh, I gotta go. I'm getting pulled over. Um, and I got pulled over and, um, little, uh, little did I know that the registration was expired on the car, um, that I was driving. Um, I really honestly didn't know. And I didn't have a current insurance card and I was speeding. Um, and immediately in that experience, I just turned to the Lord. I'm like, well, Lord, you know, sorry that I was a poor steward <laughs> of what I should be doing and paying attention to. And honestly, brothers and sisters, as much as it, it would have, uh, hurt the pocketbook to have to pay a ticket. Uh, I had turned it over to the Lord in that moment. And so when he came back and handed me a written warning, um, it was an opportunity to thank the Lord. But I can tell you without question that had I gotten a ticket and every time I saw that ticket, every time I thought about having to go and pay it, the day that I had to cut the check and pay the ticket, both experiences would have been spiritual growth opportunities and opportunities for repentance and opportunities to turn to the Lord. And that is the type of application that we're trying to help you understand is daily application of gospel principles. And I have a testimony of that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you're feeling down or you're feeling like you have no direction or you don't know what to do or where to turn, please go to the Savior and ask him. It's okay to talk to Christ. He's waiting. We pray to our Heavenly Father, yes. It's okay to talk to Christ. He's your direct link to the Father. Ask him. If you don't know where to start, say, are you really there? Do you love me? And let him tell you that. Start there. And then from there, that's grace that you just received. Go tell somebody else that he loves them. And then you'll get more grace. And grace for grace will continue on. Um, so that's the end of this podcast. Next week, we're going to be talking about application. Um, so really, we're going to talk about acting versus being acted upon, how to use the enticements for spiritual growth, how to uh, recognize that our performances are not our value, which we've kind of talked about already. But the most important part of that we're going to talk about next week is we're going to talk about the weapons of light that God has given us. And... Holy cow, there's some really cool stuff, and it's getting cooler by the day. Both Tyson and I are just going crazy waiting for conference because we want to hear what the prophet has to say. Um, and then we're going to talk about how to love and trust God with all of our hearts. Um, so that's coming up next time. Thanks for listening in. God bless you until we meet again. Goodbye. I stole your line. Sorry. It's all good. It's both. <laughs> it's not my line.